On a scuba expedition to a sunken ship, a killer traps another diver in a closet and leaves them until their air runs out. In the watery darkness, the victim finds a seashell on the floor and scratches parallel lines into the wall. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Conan Episode 9, The Tenkaichi Night Festival Murder. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and if anyone is wondering, yes, I am available for appearances at birthday parties and other private events. Because you're <laughs> vaccinated. Yes, because I'm vaccinated, <laughs> and because just a guy dressed up as a detective is a popular uh, character appearance, I am told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've heard that trench coats and children's birthday parties don't usually mix well. Mm. Let's not explore that further. <laughs> no, it's more of a cloak detective. Yeah, mm. I, I definitely am a fan of cloaks and capes. That's um, You can follow our spinoff podcast for that, which is, I guess, Flying Message. Because <laughs> of the capes. <laughs> I'm going to take that list that Neil gave away from you. I'm taking it away from you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So to the folks who are listening to the podcast at home, the episode we're talking about today, um, if you're listening from the US, you can find it on Crunchyroll as Case Closed Episode 9 Festival Fiasco. This is actually an unusual one in that um, we know who the murderer is from the beginning. But if you don't want to be spoiled on how it all plays out, you can take a gander at that first or let us spoil it for you. I mean, books are long, movies are long, TV shows, not so long, but maybe you're a busy person. I don't know. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's longer than a TikTok. We should distill everything down into TikToks. <laughs> uh, joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. And I feel like recently, Michael, you've been dipping your toes into a bunch of JRPGs. Recently? That's my entire life, is dipping my toes into a bunch of JRPGs. Yeah, but sometimes you're busy doing other things. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes he sleeps and sometimes. eats food. Sometimes you like are reading books or I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watching, Watching anime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's better, anime or JRPGs? A JRPG, ninety percent of the time, it's just an anime you play. So <laughs> it's the same. It's the same thing. All right. For the record, Michael is refusing to choose. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have you got for us today, Michael? Well, uh, this is a perfect time to talk about Japanese matsuri, which are literally literally just festivals, but obviously they have a certain flair to them, especially. Uh, summer festivals or summer matsuri as we see in this episode. Uh, So yeah, a matsuri is a festival. It's typically associated with a specific Shinto shrine. I'm not going to say that's a rule, but that's like at least the original concept behind it. Mm -hmm. And basically there's Mikoshi. Uh, Mikoshi, it's like this little like mini effigy shrine thing that they sort of make a parade of carrying around. And it's supposed to like house uh, the kami or deity associated with that shrine. Uh-huh. And then there's always like some kind of like carnival type thing. Often you'll see like these very specifically repeated stands where there's like takoyaki and catching goldfish with a paper net and right. balloons and cotton candy and stuff like that. So uh, at a summer festival, you'll, you'll often see uh, either fireworks or as in the case of this specific Matsuri, uh, they light the sort of large characters on fire on a mountain. 
which as Conan points out in the episode, and I immediately clocked is like a slightly intentional ripoff of the Daimonji <laughs> festival in Kyoto, where they specifically do that. They light these characters on fire on the side of mountains. Right. Someone came up with this idea about the Daimonji festival, but because it's an actual festival in Kyoto, they made up one that works exactly the same. Hmm. Right, yeah. To, for this fictional murder. In this in this episode, they celebrate what is called the Tenkaichi Matsuri, which I do, I can't find any evidence that that means anything anything but a reference to the the tournament in Dragon Ball, the Tenkaichi Budokai, or the number one under heaven tournament. So I think it's intentional because if I I can find no other reference to Tenkaichi meaning anything uh, except when I googled in Japanese Tenkaichi. Matsuri, and all I found was repeated ads for this promotional event for a uh, a ramen shop. Ooh, Tenkai Pin, I think it was called. Okay. Uh, that has an event they call the Tenkai uh, <laughs> Matsuri, or it might have just been Tenkai Matsuri, and I found it because the combination of characters. Well, they just came up with a name for this festival, presumably. Well, Came shoot, up with- we didn't do all of our prep work then because I didn't watch all of Dragon Ball Z and eat ramen before we got here. Right. Darn it. That's my job. Oh, there's always time. <laughs> now, maybe this is just because I live in California, but is like lighting giant characters on the side of mountains not like a forest fire danger or anything? I guess they prepare for it. It's no more or less a danger than setting off fireworks in a wooded area. And we Americans seem to manage that without setting off a forest fire at least 90% of the time. Yeah, fireworks are pretty safe. <laughs> um, if you shoot them into the sky, they're pretty safe. Right. I think. Yeah, this is, these are ground fireworks. As far as I'm aware, there's no giant forest fires associated with the Daimonji Festival to date. But don't quote me on that. I haven't heard anything <laughs> about fires, fires in Japan, so I don't know if that's an issue over there at the moment. But, mm. you know, the way the world is headed, I'm sure it'll <laughs> happen for oh. long enough. Let's drown our sorrows by meeting our mystery guests. Let's see who is joining us today. I'm pretty excited to have uh, some great supporters of the podcast and great friends on the podcast today. Uh, We have two mystery guests joining us today. Our first guest is a true crime enthusiast and festival attendee who enjoys painting tutorials. Our second guest is a roboticist and competitive Star Wars Squadrons player. And together, they solved the mystery of the lost wallet owner. I've cracked the case. It's Michelle Reap and Dean Wilhelmy. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Well, I'm really excited. You you listened to the podcast in the early days and uh, sent in some emails about Detective Academy Q that listeners may have heard uh, some of your reactions to that. So um, I'm curious as we go through to hear how this anime compares to that anime and, and what you all think. Yeah, of course. But to get started in general, what's your anime background? Okay, well, I, I'll set you up by saying that I know Dean at least once has had a Totoro cake. It's true. <laughs> yes, I have, I have eaten a Totoro cake. It should have been in a bio how much he is a fan of Miyazaki films. But uh, you, can, you can say that in your own words. Sure, yeah. I mean, I really do love Miyazaki films. Uh, I certainly wouldn't call myself an anime expert by any means. I just have very specific uh, things that I like watching. Like, like I said, Miyazaki movies, you know, like Full Metal Alchemist, very like popular animes. I'll probably be into this. Original series or Brotherhood? Brotherhood. I've never seen yeah. the original series. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, we legit watched Howl's Moving Castle last night, so... <laughs> mm-hmm, that's true. Can confirm. 
I would say for me, I'm like I'm I'm a very casual anime um, enjoyer. I watch it a lot when others have it on, and I've I've seen full series like you know uh, Full Metal Brotherhood, and uh, we enjoy or we're behind on, but enjoy Ruby things like that. But I would say most of the time I watch anime when it's recommended by other folks. We're 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 currently working our way through. Um, one piece. So we'll let you know in about 10 years what we finish. I considered that at the beginning of uh, quarantine. I was like, I'm going to watch all of One Piece. And then I didn't because it's very long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just working our way through it very slowly. <laughs> Michael, you don't want to have a One Piece podcast for the next 30 years? There you go. Oh, it would really just go on forever and ever. And I'd have to ask people to watch One Piece. It might be pretty watchable in, in chunks. I don't know. I don't know. You don't have to. I mean, you don't have to have guests on a podcast. I, I just don't like pirates <laughs> yeah. and, and weird fruit-based techniques that much. Well, um. listen, we're all wrong sometimes. So <laughs> we, we, legit, you know, we um, had a One Piece marathon. That was Dean's birthday event. Was We watched One Piece from the moment we woke up until we went to bed and gosh wow you watched one one hundredth of the series (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) if even (laughs) i know we we it was a long day and we barely we didn't we didn't make a dent let's just put it that way we didn't make any kind of plot progress do you get through if you watch (laughs) one piece like for the whole day how much does the plot progress not much i think they like maybe finally made it to the grand line by the end of that day but we were already on our way to that before we started the day. Mm. I learned my lesson with Dragon Ball Z. I'll wait for One Piece Kai in a few years when they <laughs> cut out all the filler. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that tells us a bit about anime and you all. And um, in terms of mysteries, Michelle, I know you you said you're a big fan of true crimes, but for both of you, murder mysteries and all that, what's your dabblage? I think that I am the murder mystery connoisseur of the two of us um i i love watching detective shows i was actually in a um murder well actually it wasn't a murder it was a mystery dinner party theater in youth group when i was a child and it was a, a spin-off of and then there was the nun but instead of dead bodies it was just someone stole a pie who stole the pie so i i'm actually kind of an expert i guess if you put it that way hold on hold on a second so in and then there were none uh, they start with 10 characters and like they die one by one. So in your pie version, do the people disappear one by one as the pies are stolen? No, nope. There's oh, maybe just, there's 10 pies. There's just, Does the pie disappear slice by slice? No, it was one pie that my characters made and, you know, worked so hard on. And then it was, the lights went out and it was gone. And the whole, the whole uh, play was trying to figure out who, who stole and ate the pie and that was it. And and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really honest. I don't remember who did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a mystery that will not be solved today. Remembering who ate the pie is not necessarily something you carry to your grave. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I think uh, maybe Dean's watched some murder mystery stuff with me. Oh yeah. Well, where's yours? Yeah, not. Not too much. Not too much. Um, yeah, I'm definitely less of a murder mystery fan than I'm a, an anime fan. So this is the category I'm lacking in here. That's okay. Together, we make one murder mystery anime watching person for this podcast. Right, of course. Yeah. Um, I do like to guess a lot, to, <sighs> mm. to uh, and Michelle hates it, but 
Sometimes, sometimes I swear, I'm like, it will be, you know, five, ten minutes into the episode, and he's like, that person did it. And he's right. And I get really pissed. I'm like, I wanted to find out when they told me. Well, they shouldn't have made it so obvious. <laughs> right. Well, also, five minutes into this episode, I knew who did it, too. But that's because <laughs> they showed you. Now, you had seen a handful of episodes of Detective Academy Q. And now you've mm-hmm. seen an episode of Detective Conan. Apart from that, any other like murder mystery or detective anime? I don't think so. Not really, yeah. I think the, the yeah. inception of this podcast is when I found out that there was detective anime. And I realized that's the anime I should have been watching all along because I love mysteries. <laughs> Michelle yeah. does play um, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. That, that kind of counts. <laughs> that yeah. absolutely counts. That's right I there mean, with JRPG, JRPGs as being playable anime. Right. <laughs> there is also an anime adaptation of that, which oh, really? essentially no, okay. follows the same plot. So you've kind of seen it. It doesn't feel like it has to move around a lot, though, so it's okay. (laughs) Well, awesome. We'll see what you think of this series. Mike usually fills us in on the the premise of the show we're about to watch, and Mm. I think he's prepared to do so. But I want to start by asking... (laughs) I think he's prepared to do so. He, like, gives gives me a look like, you think? (laughs) You you only think so? So I want to open it up to you first and say, like, uh, any questions about what's going on in the premise of this show before Mike fills us in? Or was, was it all kind of oh uh, clear? So many questions. So many. <laughs> <laughs> why Why is this person a child, and but a, a, an adult in a child's body? And, and who is who is this Rand person? And how, how do they play it all into this? <laughs> and why does nobody know that he's a detective? I, I have so many questions. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> since you asked, <laughs> Detective Conan is uh, the story of Shinichi Kudo, a, a high school detective famous around the country, who, while watching a mysterious deal, gets attacked and is forced to ingest a poison that turns him into a small child. In order to protect his identity and uh, the safety people around him so that they don't know he's still alive, he disguises himself as Edagawa Conan. Uh, and goes to live uh, in the same home as his high school sweetheart, Ron, and her father, the detective, Mori Kogoro, in order to find more evidence on the people who attacked him. So does everybody just think that he's dead? Well, he calls sometimes. They just oh, think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> in the time span of the show, he's only been gone for like a couple weeks at this point. So, so Ran and her father don't know that it is her high school sweetheart. And they just decided, yeah, yeah, we'll take in this child that we just showed up at our door today. That's fine. Yeah, they... Well, his supposed relative asked. So she was like, sure. Gotcha. <laughs> That's I the think whole thing. caught on to it <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty much. <laughs> and if you're wondering, like, how can he solve all these mysteries as a small child and it not be super obvious that he is Shinichi? Like, look, go back to our episode last week, because that was all about Ron pretty much figuring it out and then being convinced Again, that he was just actually a child. The one and only time she suspects, despite all evidence. <laughs> oh, man. They try to put it to bed so that they can just get into this status quo where nobody mm-hmm. is suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, to start the episode off, what did you all think about the opening song? First thought that hit my mind was, it's not as good as the Detective Academy Q intro. I swear. That's true. Still in my head. Which ah, one? Ah, 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 that one. I just... <laughs> 
It's, it never <laughs> leaves my mind. <laughs> make you, make you, make you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Um, I disagree. And uh, I don't think that's going to be a popular opinion out there on the internet, but I, res- I respect you very much. <laughs> I like, I like make you, make you, make you. Yeah. I, maybe it's just because it has more, you know, n- well, not nostalgic, but more emotional ties because I've seen more episodes of Detective Academy Q, but oh my, it's just so catchy. I just enjoy it so much. I do find the more you listen to any of these songs, the more you like them. Because mm-hmm. like, if you go back and listen to the episode of our podcast where we talked about Moriarty the Patriot, I was very down on that song. And now I'm listening to it all the time. <laughs> it's my Spotify, my entire reason for my Spotify account is to just... Did this song that I listened to in the 90s because it was an anime show up this week? Nope. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> this is my whole Spotify playlist. That and the Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack. Please sponsor the podcast Spotify. Right. <laughs> Please. You're the only thing that could sponsor us that we haven't made fun of yet. <laughs> Dean, do you agree that the Detective Academy Q theme song was better? Uh, yes, so far I I, am a, I really do enjoy. It. I'm on the make you make you make you train for sure. <laughs> wow. The wow. only other thing that I pointed out from the opening song was one line of lyrics that I thought was yeah. really interesting. I'm not a hotshot nor especially great. I'm like, you need to back yourself a little more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Shinichi really is full of himself. So <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Right, so we've talked through the opening song, so now let's see what's ha- what's happening at the start of the episode. And so this episode starts with a murder, and it's uh, probably the first time in this show where they do the backwards rather than uh, giving you a bunch of suspects and you don't know who it is. It's a, you see the murder happen, you see who the person is that did it, how are they going to catch this person and see through their tricks kind of set up. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that, because I, you know, I, I noticed this, right? And I was like... I was wondering if the whole show like always does this right where you always see the murderer, but you're trying to like figure out how they find out or if this was just a one-off. So I'm kind of glad that it's not always this way because I think that'd be a little bit more boring than trying to guess who it was. I mean, especially because that's Dean's favorite part is to ruin the rest of the episode for me. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Conan very famously has like um, a culprit style that they use where they portray the person as like a shadow in all oh. black and you can't see their face. Um, I don't know if that that's happened yet, but they kind of, but they pull that out and do that a lot. So yeah, there's some, some setups and some clues and stuff that we spotted in this scene that become important later. Mm-hmm. It's the Tenkaichi festival. Like Mike was telling us about where the three characters from Tenkaichi are, are lit up on separate mountains in succession. And when the murder happens, there's like a TV playing in the background to tell us about that yeah because the murder happens right as the first character is lit which turns out to be like 802 p.m mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right something like that the one guy is in the bathroom brushing his teeth and the other guy is like ransacking his own apartment claiming he's looking for his wallet i didn't catch that that he was looking for his wallet i was just like why is this he's just when at the time i was like he's just rummaging through things like what the heck <laughs> that's just what he said to the other guy yeah, he's just like trying to make the apartment look messy, right? And he's also got a very clever disguise on. <laughs> a scarf wrapped around his face. <laughs> and a hat and, and a hat. glasses. And sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, of course. Very important sunglasses. You knew he was the bad guy immediately because they do that glasses reflective thing. And I thought, oh, <laughs> he's trouble. He's that's, trouble. 
Also, that thing that happens when I wear my glasses and I open the oven and I imagine that I'm an anime character. <laughs> There's a problem you had initially with with certain face masks. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still have. That's uh, yeah. if I wear glasses with a face mask, that happens. Yeah, I so. was like, that's, that's <laughs> definitely still a problem. <laughs> yeah, the guy is in the bathroom brushing his teeth, and he comes out, and his friend just shoots him in the face, and he grabs money out of the wallet and runs away and i thought this was odd like when he leaves the apartment there's like 10 people standing out there i guess it's a hotel room it was a gunshot and they're all like was there a gunshot and he was like bye idiots (laughs) (laughs) but he did what he he wanted to be seen like that so people would think he was robbed but is it normal for like people to crowd into the hallway and like if they thought there was a gunshot in the apartment next door? Probably. Yeah, especially if it's, you know, the person coming out of that room is almost certainly the person doing the shooting. They'd be like, oh, hey, listen, can I can I chat you up for a few minutes? Can you tell me what happened in there? I definitely, at first, when I didn't realize what was going on yet, I was like, this is the worst murder ever. You just got seen by like 10 people. But no, <laughs> it was all on purpose. No, we are also talking with the perspective of the country with the most gun, gun violence in the entire world uh, about a country where guns are illegal and there's very little gun violence. So they would right. like, so what the be, hell was that? But they still <laughs> recognize the sound of it. Maybe, they, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was really loud, right? So maybe they thought it was like a firework or something. And when they came out, it was like, it sounded like a gunshot. And then the other person was going to be like, oh, I just dropped a really loud pen or something. Like, oh, okay, goodbye. <laughs> It's a very <laughs> impressive crowd of eight people in the hallway. Like, that's a lot of people yeah. to be seeing. That was there. a lot of people, yeah. So now let's check out this festival. It's a festival. <laughs> I just had a moment of, like, uh, wistfulness for going to festivals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we're still recording at the tail end of, uh, well, we're still recording somewhere in the midst of this pandemic. <laughs> the first thing I noticed about the festivals, they're all dressed in traditional Japanese clothing. Oh, yeah, for for a, a matsuri during the summer, you would wear your uh, not kimono. It's the other word. It's right on the tip of my head. Mm. I was going to sound so smart, but I forgot what it's called. I have to, <laughs> I have a guess, but I'm not going to say it because I'm afraid it's wrong and I'll sound stupid. Well, you have the editing power, so why don't you say <laughs> yukata? It's a yukata. I remember a yukata. That's not yeah. <laughs> No, 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 that is what you were going to guess, right? That's exactly what you were going to guess. Yes, that's what I was about to say. (laughs) And the other thing that is kind of a running thing throughout this episode is the little bunny balloon that is tied to Conan the whole time. (laughs) Right, like he he has no power to take that off. He just like has to keep it with him. Like, I don't know, he doesn't like it. It just, he takes it anyway. Well, he has to pretend to be a child, and a child would enjoy the balloon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. all children, you could be a yeah. child who hates balloons. Right. It does seem like partially a good way to keep track of your child in the crowd, because it's the balloon floats above their head and is taller than them. Might be the intent behind balloons right. as a cultural item. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might get to this later, but he like even keeps it in the apartment, in like the crime scene, like... <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't I think love that. anybody's expecting him to like keep it on then, but but he does. He's just like, all right, this is this is part of me now. You could be like, oops, oh no, I let it go. Okay, that's over. <laughs> they of course end yeah. up at the crime scene, like inspecting the body and looking all about. And yeah, he he um he like ducks down and looks around, and he and he still has that on his head <laughs> or tied to him. It, it was pretty silly. I I noticed that too. 
Would we? There's a a quick shot that we see. I I think I skipped over this, but we do see the guy stop and throw all of his murder stuff into the river. Mm-hmm. His scarf, his hat, his glasses, and the gun. <laughs> you know, his murder stuff. Mm-hmm. Murder stuff. That's where you. <laughs> yeah. That's where you dump murder stuff. Always into the river. Always into the river. If you dump it into a lake, it just sits there. <laughs> right. The murderer runs to the festival and just happens to to bump into Ron and the rest of our group. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to get a photograph from them. I the, the first thing I wrote about this scene when it started was this guy wasted no time taking an opportunity to promote his book. He's like, five <laughs> seconds of conversation. Oh, and here's my book. <laughs> I think the main point of this from a writing pers- is that it's just the way that they wrote it to introduce so that we as the audience would know who he is, but it's so ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. I just love that that's his personality. It's just he really is very much, obviously, very self-centered and and only interested in his own career and pursuits. And I feel like it just shows that really perfectly and kind of hysterically. <laughs> uh, specifically because of this scene. So when I think of two authors, because he talks about his dead uh, friend. Sorry, that was really loud. I shouted that in the mic. Uh, <laughs> because of his dead uh, friend, he talks about that he when specifically Ron's like, oh, that that pen name, you wrote this book. And he's like, no, I actually wrote that with this friend of mine, this famous other writer. And whenever I think of two famous authors writing something together, I think of Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman writing Good Omens together. So the entire episode, I could only see this guy as evil Neil Gaiman. Like, that's what I thought of him <laughs> as. Yeah. So the guy's name is Sai Norikazu. He's a travel writer these days, and he's very tan. And he's always very like calm and smiley, I thought. But right, you mentioned that he used to write under a pen name, or, or just does write under a pen name, which is Imai Tomikazu. And the other person who wrote under the pen name is the victim, which is who is a man named Imatake Satoru. So they were both writing under the same pen name? They had previously. Gotcha. They had both shared it. And there's a clue that we know that Conan notices just observing him right now, which is that he seems to be very hot, but is wearing a jacket and won't take it off as they go around and just take pictures, pictures, bad pictures of him at the festival, like posing with random booths or something. He's specifically like, hey, you person I've never met, take a picture of me in front of this flaming uh, character. Thanks. (laughs) And when I say flaming character, I mean, there was... They were burning a thing in the shape of a Japanese character on a mountain, not just a particularly noticeable gay man. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Detective Yokomizo appears. I love I love how he appears. He's just like he's just like in like right in the background of a picture, like really, really scarily. Like scares the photo taker, I think. Yeah, it's our our first encounter with not that important, not that interesting, occasionally recurring character, Detective Yokomizu of uh, the uh, Saitama Prefecture. Right. So over the 1000 plus episodes of this show, they encounter murders all over Japan as they're traveling because they can't go anywhere without there being a murder. Uh, The most of the time when they're in Tokyo, Inspector Megare, who we've seen before, is the guy who shows up at the murder scene. But when they're other places, it's other people. And like Michael said, this guy recurs just very randomly. Like he's been in 43 total episodes. Yeah, it's whenever they're in Saitama. Because he's in Saitama. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was aggressive from the start, like out right out of the gate. He was like, "Oh, this is my guy." <laughs> but yeah. overall, he seems he seems fairly competent. Like he's on the right track throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I think his main defining characteristic is just thinking in the back of his head, 
that uh, Mori Koguro is kind of an idiot, but then <laughs> outwardly respecting him. <laughs> yeah, yes. They kind of uh, follow everyone back to the crime scene. That thing you do where, you know, you take these people, you don't know who they are or why they're there, and you go, come on to the crime scene, especially you, small child. <laughs> they they skip this part, but I imagine that they kind of pigeonhole themselves in there. Well, as, the, as you well. could just be like, oh, you're Mori Kokoro? Come on. Don't wait until you're at the crime scene and he's like touching stuff to be like, wait, who are you? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> That's true. Because because the, they're like bending over the body and he's like, you can't do that. And he's like, well, actually, we're detectives. This is where we learn that timing that the murder was done two or three minutes after 8 p.m. They talked to a bunch of the witnesses from the hallway who kind of confirm all the details about what we described earlier. And there is also a moment where like, Kogoro is taking um, credit for all the cases he's solved so far. And Conan in the background is like, actually, I was the one who solved those cases. <laughs> is this like a running theme in the show that that he solves them and then just somehow feeds that information without the other guy knowing? <laughs> he becomes quite famous through the show's run. This is, I think, his first like time being recognized as a quote unquote famous detective. So this is like the uh... beginning of that. <laughs> yeah. You'd have a slight idea, but he eventually becomes known as the uh, the sleeping Kogoro. <laughs> because he always appears to be sleeping when he solves yes, the cases. Yes, he gets very stoic and still when he explains things. Dean said that. He said like, oh, I bet that's how they do it. I was just like, so does this happen every time? Because <laughs> guests are like, they must do this every time. And I was like, there's no way they could get away with that. But they do. <laughs> They change it up eventually, but yeah, for a while, it's mostly, we'll, we'll jump ahead a little bit to when he's ready to solve the case, he uses his most common pattern and trick, which is always very fun and entertaining. We saw this in episode six when he got his stun gun wristwatch for the first time, and he uses the stun gun wristwatch to knock out Kogoro, and then he uses his voice changing bow tie and hides somewhere nearby, or later on, he gets a remote microphone to make it sound like Kogoro is speaking and giving the solution to the murder. This is much better than what he had to do in episode three before he had the stun gun wristwatch, um, where he just knocks him out by like kicking a vase at him. <laughs> ashtray. An ashtray. An ashtray, yeah. Uh, okay, so we moved on from like brain trauma to just like yeah. drugs. No? Yeah, to liver trauma, which is right. much more survivable. <laughs> but there's a bunch of investigation and things that we have to learn before he gets to the point where he can solve the murder. They find the wallet which the, all the money has been removed from. Um, they also noticed the toothpaste and toothbrush for, that the guy dropped when he was killed. Yeah, they then Conan discovers that it was toothpaste by literally touching the guy's dead body, like the foam coming out of the guy's dead body and tasting it. And it's like, oh yeah, this is toothpaste. <laughs> and not like rabies foam right. or something. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> poison, you know, could have been poison. <laughs> right, yeah. The sense of taste is very useful in solving murders, but very gross. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I'd like to imagine they smelled it, right? They went like... Oh, minty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think smell would be enough. And Maury comes out with his wrong deduction, as he often does, saying this is a robbery. Yep, the case closed. That's it. End of the episode. I, I mean, it's just this classic, like ego of oh yeah i know exactly what happened and and you're just like i can't wait till they prove this guy wrong <laughs> <laughs> dean mentioned like um i mean he came to this conclusion with theoretically at this point all the clues that point to that versus uh the other detective dean you mentioned like oh yeah i was like why why does conan and the other detective like they're so 
enamored on like the, this guy being the murderer, right? Like, and they have almost no evidence to back that at up. At least right They're at like, the okay, beginning. Okay, so they sure not room together. Yeah. So uh, Kogoro is using kind of the evidence that the murderer created to create the alibi and create the story that it was a robber. So seeing mm-hmm. that the apartment was ransacked, seeing that the money was taken from the wallet, and also the fact that he was shot near the front door as if someone like shot him upon entering. But there's two problems that they end up pointing out later, one of which I think is stronger than the other. The first problem mm-hmm. is the people saw the guy leave the apartment right after he the gunshot. So he wouldn't have necessarily had time to ransack mm-hmm. the room. And the second thing is, and this is a question. I'm going to pose this as a question. Do people answer the door while they're brushing their teeth? Or do they not <laughs> answer the door while they're brushing their teeth? Because there's like, he wouldn't have opened the door with his toothbrush in for someone he didn't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is fair. You know, like, you'd at least spit out yeah. your toothpaste, probably. Would you? Then you'd have to start all over again. I feel like I would just open the door with my toothpaste. You don't have to start toothpaste. all over again. The teeth you've cleaned aren't clean to the degree that you've cleaned them. You just need to use more toothpaste. That's not starting all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I would never. I would never open the door with toothpaste in my mouth. Like, not not for any reason other than how, how do you talk to them and be like, Upon review, I think Noah might Noah might answer the door with toothpaste in his mouth. I probably would. I guess I'm just a weirdo. (laughs) I've done this podcast with toothpaste in my mouth. Oh wow! No, I think if if there was like someone banging on the door and being like, you know, there's an emergency, there's a like fire, or someone out here needs something, you know, maybe I would rush to the door and not spit but otherwise if it's just someone knocking on the door if you open the door and it's and it's someone really surprising you then go yeah (laughs) natural defense mechanism i'm getting my dna evidence on my possible murderer so really it's strategic noah (laughs) so yeah so i think those are the kinds of reasons like that the conan and the other detective were like no it seems like maybe he knew the guy because he was brushing his teeth Mm-hmm. And so they don't completely buy it. I just like, it just felt maybe at the time, like Conan was like, oh, this guy doesn't take his jacket off when he's hot. That must mean <laughs> he's the murderer. <laughs> well, you know, in this show, Mori is almost always wrong and Conan is almost always right. So <laughs> right. <laughs> whether or not they uh, have reasons to be so. I don't know if they've ever done a Conan is wrong episode before. Like he's been misled and then gotten to the right place. Right. But he, mm-hmm. He's never just been out flat out wrong. I don't think so. But yeah, I think certainly like he's had the wool pulled over his eyes by like a, some characters. A sheep herder? Yeah. I, I really don't think that in, you know, detective shows in general, like I don't know if they ever do that. You know, there's sometimes those subplots of, oh, this person we put in jail says that it wasn't them and they have all this new evidence about it. But it almost always turns out to still be them involved in some way, if not still the only person doing it, if uh, they yeah. had a it's partner ri- or something. But the, the actual detective protagonist in all of these shows is almost, like never wrong like you can't just you can't lose that trust <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know he's he's not actually a six-year-old he has the brain of a high schooler yeah <laughs> high schoolers are always correct about everything true <laughs> i i wanted to know one other thing no the, the thing i noted about this whole him 
when he's talking about his alibi and they're saying, oh, he left the hotel at 7.30. We know for sure because the hotel staff said that he asked them several, several times what the time was. And I wrote down the best way to make an alibi is to just be annoying AF. Just really bother (laughs) everyone around you. (laughs) Yeah, this is part of exploring his alibi. He says he didn't have his watch and he really wanted to get there in time to see the first character lit up. But it is also like they wouldn't wouldn't necessarily remember what time you left unless you asked them a lot. So that is a little suspicious in the context. Yeah, all, like he's definitely like uber suspiciously made a you know a quote unquote perfect alibi around this thing. Like it was so obvious. Like oh yes, take all these pictures right when I get to the festival, or like um, yeah, you know, like let me ask the front desk and like oh look, I have this like tan line where my watch is missing. So like that's why I have to ask the front desk. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> too too many unnecessary details. <laughs> I saw right through his trick and knew exactly how he did it, but I've watched this episode like at least one or two times before and maybe even read the manga of this. So I don't <laughs> I don't think it's fair because I probably remembered it from somewhere in my brain, but I'm curious how this all played out for you. So the other part of his alibi right is the pictures on his camera and it Actually, last week, at the end of the episode, they always give you a hint for the next episode. And the hint was disposable camera. Uh, Interesting. He has a disposable camera. He has the seven pictures. Oh, Michael, you're making a face. I should say, what a relic of the era that that (laughs) is. Like, listeners, if you don't know what a disposable camera is, it's not a shitty cell phone. Well, when when they remastered this episode a couple years ago as one of their uh, remasterings of the original episodes, they changed the next Conan's hint from disposable camera to just be camera with film. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I thought it was really funny because they're like, go get this camera developed. And it's seemingly like 10 minutes later, someone comes back with the oh, picture. I know. Like, no time. Yeah, so they sat there for an hour while they went to an hour photo. Oh, God. Photo, like the photo booth things that used to exist that were literally just like a building that existed for you to bring a film to and then get photos. What a weird thing that doesn't exist anymore. What a concept. I'm pretty sure you can only get your photos developed at CVS. I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> do they still take film at CVS? I feel like they only do photo printing now, right? I actually don't know. <laughs> Does anyone even sell disposable cameras anymore? There's a film drop off inside the local coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a that's a different thing though. That's like an indie different... print shop. Yeah. So well, what do we see in the seven pictures? The picture that he that Ron, the first picture that Ron took, where Conan's balloon is in it, and we see the third character was around eight forty because that's when the character was lit. So from the murder at eight oh two to that picture, there's enough time for him to have gotten done the murder and gotten to the festival. But he has another picture with the ten character, which must have been by eight twenty five or earlier. And if since he was in that picture, he couldn't have gotten there in time because right. it's too far away from where the murder was done. No matter how fast you drive, you couldn't have gotten there. No matter how many cops you yell at on your way to escaping the murder scene. Right, Noah? <laughs> exactly. I, um, as soon as they showed all those pictures, I had figured out. Oh, well, I was really? like, I think I know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, it took me a while to figure it out, but I got, I got there eventually. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the trick. We're so close to revealing that trick to everybody. But first, there's this other scene, which is like, if you didn't think the guy was suspicious before, this is all too convenient. Um, another character enters. His name is Yamada. I was briefly like, oh, yeah. is he going to be a suspect now? But no, they don't even go in that direction. 
He's from the monthly magazine literature era, which was carrying the dead guy's stories. And he has a deadline tomorrow. He's there because the police called him. His entrance was very silly. He rushes in the room and he's like, he says the victim's name. He's like, oh, I guess you really were murdered. Like, if someone calls you and tells you someone's murdered, you don't run into the room shouting their name and be like, oh, shucks. They didn't lie. It wasn't a joke. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe this guy has a lot of, um, gets a lot of, like, like, Publicity stunts. Publicity, thank you. Publicity Weird writers doing faking their own deaths for publicity. I think it's just this this guy who works at Literature is just so burnt out that he's like, oh my god, this guy cannot possibly be dead because I just can't handle this stress. And he's just like, no! <laughs> but th- that's not even the weird part, right? It's like, they... The guy died before submitting his thing, and they need something for the magazine. He was supposed to turn it in tomorrow. And the murderer is just like, oh, I actually have this manuscript. I was going to give it to my friend, um, and that's why I brought it with me. It's not any good, but but maybe this will work. <laughs> Are you sure you want this? It's just a small part of a very long story I'm writing. You wouldn't right, want yeah. something that you'd have to keep printing, <laughs> would you? <Ew>. And <laughs> it's like, Really? Mm-hmm. it was so it was just so obvious and, it, and and you'd think like it just makes you look more suspicious dude like just wait till tomorrow and call this guy <laughs> <laughs> they also seem i guess this is maybe how it works in japan because they're when someone's arrested for a crime their conviction rate is super duper high uh but like i feel like in america they just arrest on suspicion they're like well Currently, the evidence says you might be innocent, but you're so suspicious. We're just going to fucking arrest you because no <laughs> question that we did that. <laughs> the other thing that we that I've learned recently is like um, you might imagine like he might st- still be published in this magazine even if he's r- arrested for the crime. But like we've seen a couple cases recently where people have been arrested and the anime the world ends with you just came out and they changed the opening theme because one of the people in the band that recorded it was arrested for fraud, potential fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and wow. I was reading about like a person who was replaced in a video game because they were arrested for cocaine use and it was a modern video game. So they had to replace their likeness and their voice acting in the game. Oh, that's a lot of work. Sounds like. Yeah. So like in Japan, it is very believable that like, if you got arrested for this sort of thing, no, you're not. Your story is not going to be published, which is kind of how it should work if you murder someone, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. Generally, it doesn't incentivize as murder. He <laughs> must be just so confident in his like plan and his alibi that he's like, yeah, this probably looks really sus, but that's fine. I'm I'm getting away with this anyway. Before the commercial break, coming back to this balloon, <laughs> Conan is like looking through the photos and this is where he really heavily like goes back to the jacket and the camera that we've talked about as like these are the clues. But then there's a shot of him being like how did he do it? I know it's him and he's kind of in like a an endless void scenario like thinking really hard but he still has the balloon tied to him even in the endless void. <laughs> I wrote that one thoughts. down too. I was just like lull at this just absolutely serious pensive child with this balloon hanging from his back. Like, I'm, I'm telling you like the balloon is just now one with Conan. He's yeah. never he's never leaving this balloon. Well, he needs to get a, a special gadget like, you know, a floaty balloon or something that can he can fly with, or, oh, or oh some kind gosh. of inflatable soccer ball that he keeps in his belt. Yeah, we haven't. I don't think we've gotten to that belt yet. <laughs> you know. Wait, so I have a question. Where does he get these gadgets? Yes. Does, he doesn't make them himself, right? Or does he? 
Uh, so there's a character, Professor Agasa, who is his uh, Shinichi's neighbor and is the only person, adult, only adult point. person at this point, who knows that he is Shinichi Kudo. And uh, he's a wacky scientist that makes lots of fun gadgets. Because, yeah, Michelle was mentioning before, he like, seems like a, a spy with all these gadgets. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that he is a secret agent and we just haven't found out yet. <laughs> well... They do a lot of like espionage stuff later on. They bring in characters from the FBI and the Japanese like equivalents, and they do lots of that sort of plot lines. But yeah, if folks who listened to last episode know that he had a very good um, time using his super powered kick shoes. I saw those in the en- the ending, uh, the, the credits. Pretty excellent. So when we get back from the commercial, he d- he knocks out Mori Kogoro. We kind of talked about this. He uses the stun gun. But after he hits them with the stun gun, he, like, takes a second to set up the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a thing about this. Like, so he, he, he drugs the detective, puts his body in a chair, like, literally lifts his body and puts it in a chair. And then he ranges the photos on the tables. And, like, he does all this with Ron and the suspect and the other detective in the room. And nobody sees this. Like, nobody, <laughs> like, everybody's just, like, totally focused on something else. Like, maybe that we're, like, the... The literature error guy may have still been in the room. I'm not sure. <laughs> it made me wonder, like, does he do that every time? Like, he literally, like, knocks this guy out, sets him up every time with people in the room and, like, nobody sees him. Normally, he just conveniently falls into a useful position. <laughs> My favorite trick is also um, sometimes he, he will <laughs> say as Kogoro, like, now Conan will show you this thing. And then he'll step out from behind where he was hiding. <laughs> and he'll be like, the detective asked me to do this. <laughs> I like the ones where he starts talking as Kogoro before Kogoro is knocked out, and Kogoro's like, "What the fuck?" And then he knocks him out. <laughs> they do all the they do all the variations yeah. over the years. <laughs> Occasionally, someone else gets knocked out and gets to solve the mystery instead. They're only you know. if they're lucky. Uh, but once he has everything set out, he also has to take extra time to hide the balloon under the chair because <laughs> the balloon was sticking out from behind the chair and was going to give him away. Hide is a strong word. Place under the chair. It was not hidden. <laughs> Yeah, it was those little ears were sticking out. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Listen, if nobody saw this child knock out this adult detective man, they probably aren't going to see the cha- the balloon under the chair. So I think he's probably good. I agree. They they all have some amount of like Conan blindness going on to not <laughs> see what he's up to. And I like the detail that because Kogoro earlier had like insisted it was a robbery, the first thing they ask him when he accuses this guy is they're like, didn't you say it was a robbery? And yeah. he's like, oh, I just wanted you to lower your guard. And he also wanted to let the other detective take the credit for the solve. <laughs> and we talked about this one thing, which is like why he says the guy was murdered by someone he knew because of the, he was brushing his teeth mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have had time to ransack the whole room. And the guy's like, okay, okay, but uh, the photos, the photos. All right. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought of, as soon as they showed that first photo, I thought of this. And he did it. And, and this is why um, Conan knows it's premeditated murder is because the murderer took the picture at last year's festival and saved that disposable camera for a whole year so that then he could finish the rest of the photos that would corroborate his alibi and he'd be good to go. Because they do the same thing every year. The festival looks more or less the same, same symbol on same hill. Mm -hmm. So he just had to wear the same outfit again. 
And then it looked like it was a continued set of photos, but really they were taken a year <laughs> apart. No digital timestamps on a disposable camera. I was thinking that that he was going to be using the timestamps as part of his alibi before I understood the way they were doing it. But but then there were no timestamps. So, so obviously that worked in his favor there. And that yeah, it explains why he needed to have the jacket on so that he it all looked the same. And, and Dean guessed that. You guessed. He's like, oh, he's got to keep it on because of the the continuity. I swear, I was like, he needs to keep the jacket on because otherwise, if he takes it off, everyone's going to see that giant sweat stain on his back from running all the way here. And he didn't want people to know that he had been running and sweaty. I was like, that's it. <laughs> Usually that's the case when someone won't take a jacket yeah. off. It's because they have like some weird thing going on with their shirt underneath. Yeah. So so before he can before he can explain the end of it, his balloon comes free, and Ron snatches him <laughs> away. <laughs> and so like he gets to say one last thing, and he's like, "Detective, I I leave it all to you." <laughs> right. And nobody and again nobody cares that the guy is literally just like fallen face down on the table. And he's not getting up. Like his lips aren't moving. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, okay, he's he's gone to sleep now. He just got knocked out, but we're cool. Everybody's fine. <laughs> this is process. <laughs> this point where he starts, you know, hiding to explain the murder um, as this other detective is when I started getting very confused because I just, uh, my thoughts of how this whole thing worked is that everyone sort of knew, or at least everyone in his inner circle knew that who he really was and that he was a detective. And then the fact that he's hiding it from everybody makes me go, okay, so they actually think he is a, a toddler. And so my next question, why is there a toddler at this crime scene? <laughs> he's a six year old, a ripe six years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's at a lot of murder scenes, like a lot, a lot of murder scenes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent question. So the detective takes over and he does solve the rest of the case. Kogoro happened to like pass out and slump down pointing at the relevant photograph. Did anyone else, did anyone, I say else as if I did, I was about to say, I didn't spot the relevant detail. It was the kind of thing, like maybe you saw it in the photograph um, to the incriminating, incriminating piece of evidence. Did anyone see this or, or before they explained it? Yep. I didn't. Michael, you spotted it. Mm-hmm. I, did I didn't. I was no. like, I, I don't know how they're going to prove that this picture was from last year. I was like, I think they're they're screwed. But they weren't. Well, it's like the show. The episode is like, here are the five pieces of information to notice. And every time something comes, it's like, bubbing. Uh, someone noticed that. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking about the, the, the tan line and why they bothered to spend so much time talking about how he's tan, even though he's not an athlete. <laughs> which, right. is, which is like the the belief like not the belief but like sort of like an association between suntans and athletes is something i've seen in anime before so they didn't just make it up so earlier in the episode he was like i forgot to wear my watch and that's why i had to ask about the time mm -hmm. that's where we saw he had a tan line where his watch was because he's been traveling a lot for work but in the one of the old photographs taken a year before you can clearly see his same wrist doesn't have a tan line Mm -hmm. right. bum, bum, bum. Yeah, because he's making the same exact like piece photos in uh, in both photos. Yeah, I don't know if that's enough evidence. Like, because he could say it was the light. Fortunately, he is now convinced. He now immediately uh, confesses to the entire murder, so it's fine. It's yeah. it's a really good tan, Noah. You would have been able to see it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty stark. That's true. 
Yeah, so he he comes through and he confesses the whole thing that he came up with this plan a year ago to kill his friend and take his place atop the literary world. He was upset because he was going to be picked for this magazine, but then they switched to the other guy who had a better reputation. And he was like, this is my last chance to take it as a writer. They start playing the sympathy music, but I'm like not buying it. I'm like, mm, not a sad story. You murdered a guy so you could be better at you. Like, just do, get good at your right. job. Like, <laughs> they were kind of hinting at like the other guy was successful because they wrote stories together and maybe took credit, but they didn't quite say that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he he said something about that towards the end, right? Or like something that he was famous for. They like both worked on the at least the idea for maybe not the writing. Right. It was like an idea they had together, and then the other guy wrote the book, and it, that was his like award winning book. Right, but of course that's what he said. He also spent way too much of this episode like smiling ear ear, like I murdered my friend, and now I'm going to take. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to be sad for <laughs> you sad. now because you got caught. He is so happy. <laughs> Agreed. This is what I was thinking the whole time, uh, right up to the end there was, so he takes this picture, right, a year ago, and then waits a whole year to um, do this murder, and he plans this whole thing. What about, like, in this scenario, what if it rained that day? (laughs) Then it's like, okay, it's not content, it's not uh, continuous anymore, does he gotta wait another year to murder this person? (laughs) I guess so. Or if it was cloudy... Yeah. Or if the festival was canceled. There's a lot of variables that really aligned for him. I mean, I guess, except for the tan line. <laughs> and uh, meeting a famous detective. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. Just happening to like, oh, can you take my picture, famous detective? <laughs> Did you all stick around after the credits? Did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we definitely saw that uh, um, the detective, I'm sorry, I don't remember what his name is. Definitely doesn't have a problem taking credit for the murders that he doesn't remember solving. They come up to him and they're like, you did a great job. And he's like, oh, yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's also, he never really questions, like, he just loses time. And the next day someone's thanking him for doing something. And he he never quite, he's like, yeah, I'm just turned into a great detective. But also they go to the effort of establishing that he has a pre-existing characteristic of drinking too much and passing out in random places. So he probably, he just rolls uh, with it. Okay. <laughs> I was actually specifically wondering about that because I'm like, yeah, this guy either like has really bad memory loss or like narcolepsy, or, you know, like he, he, he must think that he does or something. Right. Because like, he's just like passing out all the time and like not remembering his cases. But <laughs> I guess that makes it more believable. <laughs> not it's like, I must've just gotten drunk in the middle of this case and uh, passed out. He oh. just enjoys the praise so much that he doesn't question mm-hmm. it. All right, yeah. Uh, I, I also wanted to ask one thing about that. So, like, they, um, they, he was like, they were like, yeah. So, why did you say that there is a robbery at the beginning? He's like, oh, that was just filler. Ha <laughs> ha Is that like a meta joke? Like, he's like, oh, they, they're like, it was just filler for this anime, or like, <laughs> or is it like lost in translation? Like translation of something. I think it's just him saying something stupid, like, stupid as an excuse, and they're all like, "Ha, like, ha, ha, ha laugh, laugh at him." Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. He's a famous detective. You have to laugh when he laughs. It's very silly. It, it's very convenient because it like gets them into lots of murders as this guy gets more and more famous, and they get you know, mm. people invite him to places and and all that stuff, mm-hmm. cruises and and other things. Who's ready for some wiki trivia? Ooh. Oh, I'm ready. Hello. The segment of the podcast where I look at the fantastic Detective Conan wiki to see what is relevant uh, to share with folks. Um, And one thing to share is what the names they came up for these characters when they made the English dub. So recurring character Detective Yokomizo of the Saitama province. 
is Inspector Worthington in English. <laughs> and that's like, okay. That's like that's not a, great. That's a name you give a character that you're not aware is going to recur. <laughs> <laughs> the murderer who in Japanese is Satoru Imatake in English is Salvador Emerson. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's Brazilian? <laughs> Instead of his pen name Tomokazu Imai, his pen name is the very plausible Thompson Imus. Oh, of course. Um, and then yeah, the character at the end, Yamada, is Johansson. Johansson or Johansson? Johansson. One word. One Hansen. Because <laughs> you only find out his last name, so it's just Johansson. Mm. But this is definitely my favorite one, is that the victim, Norikazu Sasai, became Nicodemus Stanley. <laughs> Nicodemus. What? <laughs> that's a unique name. I mean... You want to you want to make it in the literary world. That's a name that's going to get you there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to be murdered by a jealous <laughs> former writer buddy of yours, you can call yourself Nicodemus. <laughs> oh, interestingly, uh, Yokomizo, who's a detective here, gets transferred to another district where he becomes an inspector, hmm. and before recurring uh, on the show. I see. If you're very closely following the continuity of it, uh, that will come up. And yeah, this is the first episode where they've done the the trick of the murderer being a secret. And it's not the last time that um, some, a murderer is going to accidentally use Conan, Ron, and Kogoro as their alibi and wish he had picked someone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very reminiscent, Michael, of the train episode in Detective yeah. Academy Q. I, that's what I was referencing when I was like, and yelling at cops all on your way away from the murder scene. That's what happened in that episode. She like literally like yelled at a cop, like, "What do you mean I can't go this way?" <laughs> similarly, yeah, similarly, that was a murderer. We saw the murder, and she happened to establish her alibi by using our detective main characters, and it did not work out for her. Wow. An author struggling specifically with because of the person she's murdering to keep her career going. Although there was some love lorn there. Mm. If you're interested in checking up on that, we covered that all the way back in uh, episode 15 of our podcast. Way back when we were young and full of life and energy. Yes, we recorded it 20 years ago when we when we were children. <laughs> so now let's summarize, let's synthesize, let's exercise. All right, how many jumping jacks? <laughs> um, what What did you all think? Did you Did you have a good time watching this episode? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was uh, It was definitely like shorter than I thought it was going to be, but you know, I I like the I like that shortness. You know. And just like pick up more episodes as you go. I'm into it. I love silly detective mysteries, and uh, I'm 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 like, oh wow, there's a thousand episodes of this. I'm good. I'm ready. I got TV for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> now, 700 of those are almost are very hard to find currently, <laughs> but I'm hopeful more will be brought over to the U.S. Yeah, it is funny that you mentioned it as being short because there certainly are a lot of one episode cases at this stage of the game and for a while. But I feel like at this point, almost no case gets to be less than two episodes long. Oh, in yeah. the pre- mm-hmm. in the modern day? Yeah. I think they have some one-offs. But yeah, there's a lot of them. It's rarer now. They, they go for longer setups. But it, the, whole, the whole beginning of the show is mostly one episode contained stories. And then they start having more two episodes. I really like the two episode murders because they get to kind of go into more details and have more suspects <laughs> and more... Yeah dramatic dramas <laughs> how did it compare to detective academy q it was i don't know 
What are your thoughts, Nicole? <laughs> I, I felt like I was getting very similar vibes from them, uh, except, I don't know, I feel like Detective Academy Q somehow, like, more ridiculous most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea that the, there's this child detective is, is pretty ridiculous about Detective Conan, but other than that, I feel like Detective Academy Q does circles around, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the crimes here are pretty... Uh, tame? Tame, sure. Plausible? Plausible. I mean, nothing Nothing can beat the, and like you said, two-episoder, lots more detail, the amazingness of their people were getting murdered, but just kidding, not actually, they were just pretending to be murdered in that Detective Academy queue. <sighs> well, I think that was four or five episodes that it took <laughs> to go through that plot. It was, it was quite a few. I still not quite over Saburo Maru actually being know, alive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was, I was, I was watching them. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of hate this character, but like, dang, I didn't want them to die. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you spoke too soon, Dean. <laughs> At the current point in time, there's like not a ton of recurring characters on the show, but eventually, there's just tons and tons of them, mm-hmm. uh, more and more mm-hmm. over the years. It seems like there are definitely some we haven't met because the outro had all these other children in it that we didn't meet. We have no idea who they are. Did they know that he's in a, right. a teenager in a child's body? No. No, but they're his. But the, at this point in the show, they desperately want to be his best friend because they think he's so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, and he's okay. like, "You are actual children. <laughs> <laughs> they are suitably child-brained enough." <laughs> is he gonna like also bring them to crime scenes? Like oh, that yeah, seems yes. actually though, absolutely <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in a recent episode, they all looked for a bomb together. <laughs> Just, yeah. just like Detective Academy Q. To be fair, they were stuck on a train, so they, they would have gotten blown up anyway, so he didn't put mm. them in danger. They just needed to get it done, yeah. well, another, another similarity <laughs> with Detective Academy Q is children at crime scenes. Yeah, putting their lives in danger. Children at crime scenes, children in danger. Mm-hmm. We covered the, um, the bomb on the train in episode 37, so about four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I will say of Detective Academy Q, I really do like how they kind of each have their own like skill that they're good at, you know? And so like, he's like, oh, Q can't always solve it by himself. Like he needs the like photographic memory that definitely exists and the like computer, um, you know, computer whiz and somebody to beat somebody up, you know, like those are fun. Yeah. And and in this show, they will bring in a couple other characters who eventually know his identity and help him out. Um, In particular, I'm thinking of, the high school detective from the West, Hattori Heiji. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so in those episodes, you get a bit more of that feeling with like multiple people trying to solve it and working together. Listen, Conan doesn't need it. You know why? Because he has gadgets. He has spy gadgets. He doesn't need people. <laughs> he's a, he's he a secret agent. <laughs> so yeah, so Michelle, it sounded like you were interested in watching yes, more. Yeah, this is definitely, definitely up my alley. Silly mysteries. <laughs> I'd uh, I'd watch more of this, but uh, I'd probably do. I'd probably wait until I finish One Piece. So you know, five years down the line. So next, good next luck. <laughs> <laughs> what are the mysteries in One Piece? Like I don't know. I've never seen the show. Where is One Piece? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What is the name of the mysterious that character? Eight. I don't know. <laughs> How do I defeat this enemy? Are they still authentically looking for One Piece? Do they still think it's a thing and that they, they can find I, it? We're not far enough well, in. I'm not caught up to modern One One Piece yet. Yeah, so. 
but yeah, at this point where we are, yes, of course, they're still they're still kind of looking for one piece. Just just want to be king of the pirates, you know? Mm, don't we all? Mm-hmm. So if you are king of the pirates or um, just a regular listener and you have thoughts on Detective Conan and other things we've been watching or up to, send us an email at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. And within reason, we will share your thoughts on the show. Michael, what do you want people to email you this week? Uh, balloon animals. That's it. Go on. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> okay. So they, should they scan them? Photos, Noah. <laughs> Preferably take one photo now and then take another photo in a year and then tell me that you took them at the same time. <laughs> Preferably. It's not too much Come trouble. On. Okay, Siri, remind me in a year to check for emails of balloon <laughs> animals. I don't have, we don't have Apple devices. Also, Siri's voice is copyrighted, so we'd have to use a fake Siri. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I made that up. Please don't sue us. <laughs> D- Dean and Michelle, do you have things you want to plug or sh- or shout out or share with folks? Um, I stream myself playing Squadrons on Twitch. If you want to check that out, go for it. Where? What's your how? How do people find you? Oh yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm twitch.tv slash turn up turn it. Uh, it might be hard to find, but if you just look for Squadrons people, I'm probably it's one of the few. Turn up turn it. You turn turn up turnip like a like the vegetable turnip. Ah, turn up turnip. Got it. It's easy to remember because as I f- forgot was reminded recently, uh, Dean started using the word turnip in his usernames because of turnip head. Yes, mm. that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm a Houseman Castle fan, like we <laughs> like we mentioned previously. It's all consistent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have any personal projects or streams or or Twitch accounts. So um, my shout out is just uh, go donate to equal justice initiative. Let's end mass incarceration. Yeah. Do that before you check out my stream. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. This was a pretty good one. So I'm I'm glad to bring you on and uh, give you something to watch when you finish one piece. Cause because like what will fill that Listen, hole i'm not waiting for dean this is this is why we haven't finished Det- detective academy q so i'm i'm getting on it because you're always watching <laughs> right <laughs> we're taking a one episode break from watching detective conan next week um and we are doing our first coverage of a manga so this manga is called I Tell C, all lowercase. It's available currently in the US at least for free on um, the Shonen Jump app. Uh, we're going to cover the first three chapters, which no, are... What? No, that's not free. I pay for that. No, it is free. Oh, okay. The first three <laughs> chapters are free on the Shonen Jump app, and you have to pay after that. And we're going to be covering the first three chapters. Does he think that account I gave him is just free stuff? <laughs> for $1.99, if you, if you enjoy it, you can pay $1.99 to continue reading it, but we won't be covering that. Um, and we get no money if you do that. <laughs> Unless Funimation, you would like to sponsor. No, wait. Shonen Not Jump. Funimation. Shonen, Shonen Jump. Jump. Shonen Jump, we haven't made fun of. So Shonen Jump, Funimation, we're doomed. I've made fun okay. of their dub too much. but So, so, just, so just a little heads up on, on what that's going to be like, because Michael hasn't even read it yet and has no idea what this is about. Um, I was reading some manga on the Shonen Jump app, and it was like, new detective manga, interesting twist on the genre. It is an interesting twist. I don't think it's a good twist. 
but it's an unexpected twist that we will have to share with you all. I think there's sometimes you come up with a story idea that no one's done before, and there's a reason no one has done it before. Wait, Noah, I just had a great idea for a detective manga with an interesting twist. So imagine there's a six-year-old child, and he is poisoned, and he turns into an adult detective. But he's just a six-year-old, and everyone expects him to solve mysteries. What about a high school detective who's poisoned and he turns it into a different high school detective? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Or what about a high school detective that is poisoned and turns into a dead body? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm not going to spoil the big twist in the setup of I Tell C. We will spoil it next week. So you have a week to check it out. And uh, we've got two returning mystery guests that uh, will be ripping into this with us. It's not us. No, it's not. It's not you all. You're not returning. So next week is going to be an episode of Dying Message Extra because it's not anime. It's manga. And we did um, Uh, a non-anime movie. Um, for Pride Month, which was Diag Message Extra. So it's certainly possible, maybe around Halloween this year, that Scooby-Doo <laughs> could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're interested, if you've got other things you think we should or shouldn't do on the podcast, uh, send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Love to learn about new shows and get lots of ideas. Other ways, the best way to keep in touch with us is on social media. We're Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and we now have an Instagram, at Dying Message Pod on Instagram. That is relatively recent, and this is, uh, you can get in on the ground floor of our upcoming Instagram empire. Very exciting. Great place to catch some of the screenshots of the that we're sharing of the episodes we see. Uh, the other thing you can do to support the podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us those stars and write a little note to let people know that you enjoy the show. On uh, Podcatcher, you can also, I think that's the one where you can also rate us, but you know, just subscribe wherever it is so that people know that you're enjoying the podcast and uh, keep sticking around because we have got lots more to do. Michael, why are you looking bashful over there? No, I'm not bashful. I'm being thoughtful. Should we start making dying message puzzles that are like dying messages and share them on our Instagram? Yeah, that something puzzle- we could, you mean like, like a, a dying message like, for people to solve like a jigsaw puzzle or like a uh an anagram or like a riddle make it like make a dying message that you can find some solution to that's a pu- like it's a puzzle sure listen i i think you're gonna have to work on a, a powerpoint presentation get that in advance <laughs> and uh <laughs> oh i see your confusion noah i'm not calling it di- like i'm not branding it as a dying message puzzle because our podcast is called dying message i'm saying i should make an actual dying message as a puzzle okay yeah okay great yeah put it together <laughs> let me see it but you know what michael <laughs> put it together let me see it <laughs> As long as nobody's actually dying, maybe it's a... Yeah, I I think that is important to point out. Michael, you're taking away from the most important part of the podcast. Uh, The part where we say, next Conan's hit, Terebigemu. No, because we're not (laughs) doing that next week. The most important part of the podcast where we learn about the mystery of the lost wallet owner. Yeah. Mm. So let me set the scene for you. We are, you know, walking in San Francisco. We find a wallet lost and we think you know what we're gonna go on an adventure today we're gonna find this wallet owner we leave that scene of the lost wallet take it with us we go to their address on their wallet the people there answer say oh they're not home go to their work then we go to their work we wait in line at a pharmacy because the person was a pharmacist and we finally get up there we return this wallet to this owner who we assumed would just 
be so excited that they got it back. And all of a sudden, there's confusion from all both of us because we actually passed that person on the sidewalk seconds after we picked their wallet up. She clearly went back to go pick it up and we took it. <laughs> So she says, oh, thanks. I already canceled all the credit cards, but thank you. <laughs> so um, maybe if we had not decided to go on an adventure, she would have had a lot easier day. <laughs> What's up with her roommates that were like, go to her work. We won't just, yeah. Don't keep it here at her home. <laughs> I, I don't remember specifically. They were Those people were also a little confused. We were like, oh, I think we went the wrong way with this um, do-gooder adventure. <laughs> But it was literally like just there on the sidewalk, like Mm -hmm. it had fallen out of a purse or something. It was just so bizarre because as soon as she said, wait, I think I passed you. And we're like, oh my gosh, we did. She's (laughs) passed her on the sidewalk (laughs) moments after we picked her wallet up. (laughs) So that was the mystery of the lost wallet owner was that that girl we passed on the street. (laughs) That's much better than the, the people I passed the other day where I was on my way to drop off some dry cleaning. And apparently I dropped a pair of slacks directly next to a table of people eating brunch. And by the time I realized it and went back and found them, uh, they had noticed it, left it there and said nothing. to me. (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to talk about at brunch other than, Oh, look at that person. They dropped their pants. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Who were these mm -hmm. people you were having brunch with? I was not having brunch with anyone. Are you kidding me? That's because it sounds like you sat down at their table and you let and you put it down on the seat. And then when you went to drop it no, off, you would think they would pick it up and it would be like on the seat or on the table or they would have been like, hey, but apparently they watched me drop it. And then like I came back and they were like, you, you dropped that thing. I'm like, whose suit pants did you drop on the way to the dry cleaners? My or yours? yours. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the way to get them cleaned, not the way back on the way to get them cleaned. Yes. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Mm hmm. I always drop stuff on the street when I'm taking it to the dry cleaner to give them more work to do. <laughs> yeah. Get your money's worth. It's going to charge me 30 bucks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but back to this wallet, is there something you think you could have done differently that like would have saved time or effort? Like, I mean, you know, I, I guess not. I mean, the alternative would have just been to go, oh, that's unfortunate for that person and continue on with your day. But uh, you can never, you never know that... Yeah. You never know who's going to pick up the wallet. Who's going to be the real person or not. Listen, Dean, we need to start a new startup. And it's called, you know, Wallet Lost and Found. And it's just a place everyone can join and you lose something and you can post on there. And it's definitely not a way for people to just steal stuff and, and sell it to other people. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely not. Over. Yeah. Right. I like the idea of like taking their wallet and geocaching it <laughs> and then sending them the GPS. And then you send them a dying message puzzle. <laughs> and they go like, honestly, I wish you had just stolen it. <laughs> a lot less work for me. Makes sense. And that closes the case on this week's dying message, the detective anime mystery podcast, episode 40, in which we return a wallet that wasn't lost podcast cover art created by miriam bloom music excerpted from solve the damn mystery by jesse spillane thank you again to our mystery guests michelle reap and dean wilhelmy coming up how far should a detective go to solve a crime what is the deal with the main character in i tell c is this the kind of manga straight men are looking for all that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note the dying message 
Wait, Noah, I just had a great idea for a manga with a twist. What if it, there's a high school detective and they are poisoned and they turn into a lost <laughs> wallet? You know what? I've never heard that before. That's definitely new. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a new idea. But Michael, let me repeat what I said earlier. Sometimes when you come up with a premise that's never been done before, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Can we just end the podcast with just a uh, five seconds of silence after you say that so that everyone thinks you demoralized me and that's the end? And it's just very uncomfortable. <laughs>